This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome to the Gosh Pods Medical Student Takeover Podcast. In this Day in a Life of series, we'll be interviewing clinicians at Great Ormond Street Hospital from a variety of different specialties. We're hoping to give you insight into what it's like to work at Gosh and how our guests got to where they are today. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Richard Lynn, a consultant paediatric anaesthetist at Gosh. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Vicky, a final year medical student at the University of Leeds, and I'll be hosting today. So I'm very excited to be interviewing Dr. Richard Lynn. So thank you so much for coming onto our podcast today. So could you tell us a bit more about your specialty? What does it involve? Hi, Vicky, and thanks, thanks for the invite. So I'm a pediatric anaesthetist at Grey Woman Street. And pediatric anaesthesia is a, it's a specialized field of medicine that focuses on providing anaesthesia and perioperative care to infants to children and to adolescents. And it involves the administration of anesthesia to pediatric patients during surgical or diagnostic procedures to ensure their comfort and safety. And this diagnostic aspect is is quite a large part because as you can appreciate, children of say, say infants or toddler is unable to stay still for the simple imaging study. So when you compare that to adults, it's something that they will require the assistance of an anaesthetist in in most circumstances. Brilliant. And what does your day-to-day look like? Sure. So a day in the life of a pediatric anaesthetist can be dynamic and varied. Depending on the specific setting and the types of cases being performed, it usually involves a reasonably early start. And, And that's mainly down to the fact that theatres and surgery tend to all start in the UK anyway, around eight o'clock. And, and I think that something that it's always difficult to get used to at the beginning of your career, but you slowly start to enjoy the early mornings. The first thing that we will do is review our patients for the day on the theatre list. And, and here at Gosh, we, we were lucky enough to have a very comprehensive electronic record system called Epic, which is from the, the States, but this sort of has a very detailed records of, of all patients. And it's something that we often review the night before. And because of the nature of our tertiary referral status as a, a pediatric hospital in the UK, it means that we're often referred patients from lots of different hospitals and quite complex patients. So this means that it can sometimes take up to two hours to look through the records of all the patients for our theatre list on the day. And yeah, it's, uh, it's always important to make sure we know everything about the patient. I mean, I've often been caught out and some people might ask why it's necessary to know all the different aspects of a patient when all you're doing is putting them off to sleep. But as you probably know, anesthesia is all to do with pharmacology, physiology, and well, physics and anatomy. And so administration of a drug can have marked effects on all different aspects of a patient. So a detailed knowledge of all of these things must be incorporated into the care of, of a patient when we put them off to sleep in inverted commas or provide anesthesia or even sedation. And so 
that's the reason for such a detailed approach. So we see the patients in the morning and then we attend what's called a, a team brief in the theatres. And this is a WHO initiative, which has started almost 20 years ago. And I think was initiated by Atul Gawande from Harvard. And that is a thing that you'll see, and I'm sure you've seen it before all over theatres and probably in most parts of the world, actually. And that's where we introduce ourselves and then discuss all the patients for the day. And it's designed to flatten the hierarchy and improve patient safety. And so then that highlights and allows everyone in the theatre setting and in the perioperative team to plan the day. And it goes through things like equipment, the need for specialist imaging, for example, any blood, any particular risks that we're anticipating to encounter in each procedure. And I gosh, we take this very seriously, as probably most theatre complexes do in the country. But here, we, because of the complex nature of our patients and sometimes high-risk patients that we look after, it's really imperative that this checklist and this discussion is done thoroughly. From the anesthesia point of view, we then will be preparing our medications, checking our equipment, and also liaising with a team. So that includes our specialist operating department practitioners who are highly skilled. We're extremely lucky to have such great practitioners to work with. And a lot of them are extremely dedicated then really can get us out of very sticky situations on a daily basis. We're also fortunate to have excellent trainees who come from all around the world and also all around the country. And these trainees are, again, highly dedicated and highly skilled as well. They're often always at the end of their training. So, and sometimes they're post-CCT, so they're already consultants and often have consultant jobs to go to elsewhere. And so, yeah, we're lucky to have those systems. And we, we certainly need the help of such skilled people, but it's often difficult work. The airway management and insertion of cannulas as well can be quite difficult, which is obviously a very important part of anesthesia. So after we've done that, then it's looking after the patient performing anesthesia induction and looking after the parents as well, often a very stressful time for the whole family of our patients. And so it's our job to make sure that anxiety is minimized to the best of our ability. And, and that means that often our communication skills have to really be very tailored towards the patient. And it's something that I'm still working on myself and trying to improve on how I can best alleviate and tailor that service to our patients and make sure that they really get the best experience possible here at GOSH. In the operation itself, often people aren't really too sure what the anesthetist does during the operation. I think there's sort of this perception that we're just reading the newspaper and doing Sudoku and crosswords and things. And sometimes that is the case, but often that definitely is not the mainstay of our, what we're doing during the operation. So we're for monitoring the child's vital signs, oxygenation, ventilation, adjusting the anesthesia, administering additional medications, and again, communicating with the team regularly. So that means the surgeons, our ODP colleagues, the trainees, and also the rest of the theater staff. We're addressing any potential complications that might arise 
and also anticipating what's going to happen during the operation itself. And then also preparing for the next patient if there is a, a next patient um, to ensure that we can get all of the operations done in that day. As you know, the waiting list is a big pressure at the moment. And so making sure that we're using the theater time to the best of our ability is a big part of our job. And then pain management is another thing. We're responsible for managing the child's pain during and after surgery. And that means administering pain medications, something called regional anesthesia, which is where we might provide a local anesthesia to specific nerves or to the spinal cord itself in the form of an epidural or a spinal. And we'll be making sure that actually in that post-operative period, the pain from the procedure, if, if there is any, sometimes it's just a diagnostic procedure, is looked after. And then emergency response. So we, we must be prepared to handle emergencies that may arise during the surgery. And we're trained in resuscitation techniques and equipped to address complications such as allergic reactions, respiratory issues, or cardiovascular instability. And that's why we're all trained quite comprehensively in intensive care. We will spend probably, I think, a year in intensive care during our seven-year training. And we're lucky to have some anesthetists within our department who are part-time intensivists, the pediatric intensivists, and, and also anesthetists as well both in cardiac intensive care, but also in general intensive care as well. And that allows us to quickly and efficiently stabilize the child and ensure their well-being as well. I think that's most things. It's really interesting to, to get your insight into it. I'm sure the listeners will find it really, really useful. And would you mind sharing your career journey with us? So what made you choose your specialty? As I graduated from King's College London University, which is otherwise known as Guy's King St. Thomas's. And I graduated in 2008 and then I did F1 and F2. And then actually decided to go into surgery. So I did two years of surgical training. And that was actually a very useful couple of years, I thought. And I think as an anaesthetist, it's actually important to know the steps in the operation. Working as a surgical SHO, I was often tasked with, you know, assisting holding legs during vascular and orthopedic operations. But that did mean that I had good knowledge of steps in the procedure and so on. And then the perspective of what it's like to be a surgeon and operating and it's a difficult job. And I hope I'm able to appreciate that a bit better because of that background. But, but I spent a couple of years there and then I actually decided to go into anesthesia or anesthetics and it was actually, it was pretty competitive and, and I understand it's getting more competitive as a specialty, partly due to growing interest in our specialty, which is fantastic, but also partly due to sadly a reduction in training numbers as well uh, for a variety of re reasons. So then I went through the, the usual phase of trying to pass the exams and so on. So after ST4, I then decided to take some time out. And I'd sort of already had an interest in pediatric anesthesia, but I hadn't really done very much. And so I decided to go and work in Uganda for a year. And I worked at this specialist pediatric plastics and orthopedic hospital with this fantastic pediatric anesthetist, Sarah Hodges, who's been working out in Uganda for the last 20 years. And her husband is a 
consultant plastic surgeon, and they've been basically saving and improving the lives of children out there for the last 20 years. And, and so she really taught me how to be a pediatric anesthetist or to provide aspects of pediatric anesthesia care within a limited resource setting for about six months. And that really ignited my interest in the specialty. And then following that, I came back to the UK and, and then, well, I think I did one more year and then that, that sort of inspired me to apply for a fellowship in pediatric anesthesia, which I did in Vancouver in Canada. And that was a fantastic year, probably one of the best years of my life and just a, a great place to live, a fantastic department. And I feel very lucky to have had that opportunity and, and I learned a great deal. And that really cemented my interest in the specialty. And then with that, I, I sort of, I came back to the UK, I CCT'd and, and then actually I applied for this fellowship in Great Ormond Street as well. Sadly, during this time, it was COVID, so it was 2020, I think, when, when I was in the midst of that. So then I started at Gosh, did a year as a fellow there, and then I left and then went to Cape Town, South Africa, and, and did another job there as a fellow, but also as a junior consultant in pediatric anesthesia. So at their main um, tertiary referral ped center, which is called the Red Cross War Memorial Surgery. Again, a fantastic place and a, I learned a great deal and managed cases there, which we just don't see here in the UK. And so it's some things like severe burns, a little bit of trauma, and also just learn how to sort of deal with very high volume cases and, and very sick children, sadly. And then following that, I then, during that time when I was out there, I, I applied for a job at Graham Street and unfortunately started there as a consultant in 22 April, so last year, and I've been there since then. How exciting. It's really nice to hear that you've had opportunities to go elsewhere, outside of the UK whilst working. How has it been, I suppose, working in those different environments compared to the UK? I'm grateful that I've had the opportunities to do that. I think it's really allowed me to be grateful for the health service that we have here, for the comprehensive nature of it and, and the high quality care that we receive really and, and that we are able to deliver. I think it gives you a perspective or has given me a perspective of different health systems and also of research as well. Certainly in North America, in, in Vancouver, the British Columbia Children's Hospital and that the anesthesia department there had, had a very well-developed research department and so that meant it was very easy to start research projects and to publish papers and, and so I think having that opportunity given me some improved research uh, skills. I wouldn't say I'm a researcher but, but I'm definitely interested in developing that aspect of my skill set here in the UK and yeah think um, there are many, many benefits of going abroad. How would you say it is like applying for those sorts of opportunities? Is it fairly competitive? Yeah, I guess it's competitive. I think as a UK trainee, we shouldn't forget that we have world-class training. 
And that's very much recognized all around the world as producing very high quality doctors. And that's why, you know, the Australians are very keen to have us. There's no secret to the fact that a lot of Brits choose to spend some time there. And yeah, part of it is that we have quite a long training or longer training scheme than most other countries. And so I think it is always competitive, but there are advantages in coming from the UK. And then I think most people that you speak to, registrars and, and so on, will have spent some time abroad or, or may know someone who does. And so it's always worth asking and then speaking to someone. It's quite easy to get contact details of places or good centers abroad. Exciting stuff. And what would you say are the pros and cons of your specialty? Thanks, Vicky. That's a good question. Well, our specialty is an extremely rewarding career choice and does come with some pros and cons. I think, and I hope that we can have an impact on children's lives. Certainly, I see lots of my colleagues who get lots of thank you cards and presents and flowers and so on from parents. And so I get that's credit to the great care that they provide, but also the impact that they have on families and children by ensuring comfort, safety during these surgical procedures and contributing to the improved health outcomes and overall well-being of our young patients. There's a, a lot of variety within our specialty, just within pediatric anesthesia, let alone anesthesia in general. We work with a diverse range of patients and procedures. And it's very different even providing anesthesia to a neonate or preterm neonate compared to, say, an adolescent, which is basically almost like an adult. And so you're definitely never bored and there's always unique challenges and opportunities for learning throughout. And also we're often very heavily involved in training because every anesthetist has to go through pediatric anesthesia training. It means that's always a big part of our job is to train others, even people that don't necessarily want to do pediatric anesthesia as a specialty, but just need to acquire those skills just to get that competence. There's a lot of collaboration and teamwork, and we work closely with multidisciplinary teams, including surgeons, nurses, ODPs, and other healthcare professionals. And then that's the same for all of anesthetics itself, even on Labourwood, for example, we're working intimately with the obstetricians and also the midwives as well. So that's a theme that continues throughout the specialty in general. And we've already talked a lot about learning and advancement and medicine is a field that's constantly evolving and pediatric anesthesia is no exception. So there are multiple opportunities for ongoing education, staying up to date with the latest advancements in anesthesia techniques, pain management, patient care. And this continuous learning helps in enhancing skills and providing the best possible care for our patients. Some disadvantages, well, yeah, there's always, there's a high level of responsibility and sometimes stress as well. I think I wouldn't be alone in being someone that has sometimes been kept awake the night before a difficult case. And I know my colleagues here and elsewhere in the rest of the country and also the world can suffer from the same thing. And that's because, you know, we have a higher level of responsibility for the safety of our patients and the nature of the work can be stressful, especially during emergencies or 
critical situations. And so if you've been doing something particularly difficult during the day, then that can definitely affect you in the evenings as well and then night. And I think that's the same for all of medicine really, isn't it? The hours can be long and irregular. The on-calls and the night on-call. I wouldn't say there's a high volume of night work, but it does happen. And when it does happen, it means you often have to come in. That can be obviously difficult and, and tiring. But we're lucky enough to have a big team here at Gosh, and so that is usually infrequent. But I know those sort of schedules can change and, and varies depending on the, the type of hospital that you work at. Emotional challenges, so working with children who are sick or in pain can be emotionally challenging and witnessing the suffering of young patients and their families can be difficult. So yeah, it's important to have coping strategies to maintain emotional well-being and, and have the support of your colleagues as well. I think and anaesthetists in general, we're, we're often exposed to lots of different occupational hazards. So that includes infectious diseases and, and that sort of became very in the public arena during COVID and, you know, AGPs. But we're also exposed to lots of radiation in the cath lab, for example, and also in interventional radiology areas and also the anesthetic gases themselves and musculoskeletal injuries just because of the ergonomics and the fact that their job is surprisingly reasonably physical as well. But overall, I think the pros outweigh the cons, but I hope that's given you a bit of uh, an overview. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to know both sides to it, but it's nice to know that overall you feel like it's very rewarding. And if there was any advice you could give to younger self, what would you give and why? I think there's, uh, there's more of a focus nowadays in looking at trainees. So there's definitely more of a focus on work-life balance. And I think that that's a great thing. For myself, I guess, valuing that time you spend with your family and just realizing that your time is finite, I guess, and, and time goes very fast. I think you don't realize that when you're younger. And so just making sure you appreciate those things. And also, I guess, to be less judgmental as well of people, of situations, as you often realize that there's a lot more to things than sometimes you realize. And so, yeah, not to be so judgmental. Excellent. And you mentioned there about valuing your free time. I suppose with your career, would you say you're able to, to juggle a bit of work-life balance or is it a bit of a struggle? I think I'd, I have been able to do that reasonably well. I think it's always a challenge and yeah, I think making time for recreational activities and for holidays as well. Oh, and I think, uh, one of my colleagues at Gosh always said that it's important to book a holiday every six weeks and making sure that you actually do that, that you might not go away every time, but just to give you some time away from everything at work is important. And so, yeah, that's something that I definitely prioritize in life and, and it's easy to get kind of sucked in and, and getting very focused with work and so on. I think one, one performs better when you have other things that you're for their passionate outside of work. And what advice would you give to medical students considering a career in anesthesia or more specifically uh, pediatric anesthesia? I would thoroughly recommend it when, I, when I've spoken to medical students that we have here at GOSH either doing their elective or on a placement, they all seem 
much more familiar and have interest in anesthetics than back when I was a medical student. And so that's, that's very encouraging. In terms of advice, I would say it's always good to do something before anesthetics if you can. So anything you do is, is always useful. For me, I did some surgery, but I know lots of colleagues, some people have done pediatrics before and then decided to go into anesthetics and then pediatric anesthesia. And then it's always complementary. Um, you know, some people would go and do some medicine or even say radiology, for example, you know, it really, it really gives you lots of additional skills, maybe a better anesthetist basically. So yeah, do as much as you can. Don't be too worried about taking a long time to get to the end. It's a long career and actually becoming a consultant very early in your career would never too much of a focus for me. And, and so I quite enjoyed being a trainee and, and learning. And so I think, yeah, don't, don't worry if it's taking you time, it takes you a while to pass the exams. That's not a big deal. It's all beneficial experience. And lastly, if you could have any other career in the world other than your own, what would it be and why? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I'm a keen sports person or amateur sports person. I think the idea of doing something in that field would probably be something I would choose. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm keen on cycling, but I'm not sure being a professional cyclist would be my choice. It looks a bit hard. So I'll probably choose something like football and think that looks a bit easier. And yeah, it seems to spread a lot of joy to lots of people in the world. And it looks like quite a fun career, just hanging out with your mate and doing that. So I think I would choose that. Excellent choice. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking to us today. I think that's, that's all the questions from me. Thanks. Thanks, Vicky. I hope that was helpful. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to get in touch, you can do so via social media. You can find Gosh Learning Academy on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you want to hear more about the work of the Gosh Learning Academy, you can visit our website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Bye.